Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. Michael Chowdhury, one of the most successful businessmen in the history of air cargo industry, founded Atlas Air in 1992. The late Chowdhury started with a single Boeing 747-200 converted freighter and leased it to other airlines on an aircraft, crew, maintenance and insurance or ACMI contract basis. 29 years later, Atlas Air Worldwide is a leading global provider of outsourced aircraft and aviation services. It's a publicly listed company, and in 2020, it generated 3.21 billion US dollars in revenue. It is the parent company of Atlas Air, Southern Air Holdings, and Titan Aviation Holdings, and it is also the majority shareholder of Polar Air Cargo Worldwide. Atlas Air Worldwide companies operate the world's largest fleet of 747 freighters and provide customers the broadest array of Boeing 747, Boeing 777, Boeing 767, and Boeing 737 aircraft for domestic, regional, and international cargo and passenger operations. My guest today is Michael Steen, Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer of Atlas Air Worldwide. He's also the president and chief executive officer of Titan Aviation Holdings. In my conversation with Michael Steen in this episode of Cargo Masterminds, I like to point out the reasons for the phenomenal performance of his companies amidst the pandemic and what is in store for the global air freight industry in unpredictable and uncertain times. Michael, welcome to Cargo Masterminds. Reggie, thank you for uh, for having me, and, um, and good morning to all the, the viewers as well. I'm, I'm pleased to be with you and looking forward to the discussion that we have ahead. Michael, with uh, access to a diverse mix of aircraft across three airlines under the group, tell us how you managed uh, to utilize your assets to the maximum as demand was and continues to be very strong through the last 15 months. Well, it, it's a very broad question, Reggie, because what we have uh, experienced here over the past 15 months or so is something that we couldn't have imagined ever, ever before. Uh, the changes and impact on our industry and society and our, our daily life has been so profound that um, we, we have had to relearn and learn new things and, and implement new ways of dealing. But I would like to start with, based on your question here, what has been the biggest driver? And it's it's down to the people. It's down to our team, our 4,100 uh, people strong team that we have with 2,400 excellent pilots and our, our 2,000 plus fantastic ground stuff around the world. And not, not only the, the Atlas group of people that have been Atlas strong throughout, uh, but also our partners, our customers, uh, our vendors, other stakeholders in the industry, including various governments around the world. Without really strong collaboration internally and externally, um, uh, we would not have been able to, to perform the way we have. And I, I would dare to say that the, the industry wouldn't have been able to step up and play the very important role that, that our air cargo serves. So, so it's, it comes down to people. And I think, think we as a company and um, the industry as such has showed extreme resilience in order to, to serve the role that we do as an industry uh, for the global economy 
but also for the uh, humanitarian efforts that we, we have taken throughout the pandemic, starting with, of course, shipments of PPEs, and then now going more into to, uh, support in regard to vaccine distribution and continued uh, supply of, of goods and, 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 and products uh, to people around the world. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's been an interesting ride. But what we have done as a company is, of course, that, that we, we have obviously enabled um, our, our customers to continue doing their business. As you mentioned, Reggie, we, um, uh, we have a fleet of 115 aircraft. We, we activated five more aircraft during the pandemic, four 747-400 BCFs that we had parked prior to the pandemic. So we took them through maintenance programs and, and brought them back into service uh, gradually throughout the year. We also took a 777 production freighter from our dry leasing Titan portfolio and, um, and put that on the long-term lease to Southern. Uh, and that aircraft is now in, in operation as well. Um, so we, we augmented our fleet. We also increased utilization across the board together with our customers. And yeah, if you look at our 747 fleet today, which is the largest in the world, we have 54 747-8s and 400s combined together with, with 14 777s and then 38 767s and 9 737s that we operate in, on a regional basis. Um, that, that fleet is now fully deployed and, and operating very actively on, on behalf of our customers. But we also need to remember here that the pandemic brought quite some, some challenges for us on a global basis. So the operational complexities were, were, were significant and they were changing gradually, uh, sometimes overnight. And in, in the beginning of the pandemic, when, when nations and, and authorities, they, they'll uh, try to figure out how to handle and manage this in the best way, there were new, new regulations coming coming to us as an industry on on a daily basis, as I mentioned, and and managing through that as a company as an as an industry is difficult. Um, our cost has increased, and our customers' cost has increased uh, uh, alongside with that, of course, due to these restrictions and restrictions in form of of uh, limitations regarding um, uh, being able to enter into certain countries, the way we have had to manage our our crew travel with no intercontinental. Uh, commercial travel travel opportunities. We have to fly uh, on our own aircraft. We have to charter capacity in order to get get pilots from various destinations. And when you think about that, we operate into 314 airports in some 75 countries around the world. It's uh, it's a big undertaking, and and obviously is something that has driven costs. Uh, we have increased um, uh, pay to our pilots as well in order to be able to serve uh, as effectively and efficiently as we are doing. Testing, of course. That, that was implemented early on in the pandemic and then changing through, throughout the pandemic as well has certainly been, been, uh, been challenging. Um, so, so it has been, been quite an undertaking from a company perspective and from an industry perspective. But again, I would like to underscore it by, by really thanking all, all of our staff, all of our extended staff in form of our customer partners and, and our vendors as well, and everybody else that plays a role in the industry. It's uh, been a fantastic uh, collaboration. I think it again shows how, how close we are together in this uh, this industry. And Reggie, I would like to, to end to your first question here with what, what you mentioned. Um, uh, we are extremely proud to be able to build on the legacy that Michael Chowdhury started. Um, and next year, it's actually gonna be 30 years ago. So we're coming up towards a, a very important milestone for our, for our group and, and something that we are looking forward to, to celebrate. So thank you for, for referring to Michael. Fantastic. Um, Michael, uh, you had a phenomenal 2020 and uh, the Q1 of uh, 2020 have also been phenomenal. Uh, give us at least a couple of highlights of these two. We, we know that air freight capacity was constrained, the demand was high, the yields were uh, really on, on the top. 
So if you can pick up a few highlights of the, the entire full year results, as well as the Q1 of 2021. I would like to start with, uh, first of all, recognizing what happened, right? Because as the pandemic hit us, um, literally 50% of the, uh, the normally available uh, uh, air cargo capacity fell away in form of the intercontinental passenger operations being grounded. So in, in, uh, in normal times, 50% of air freight flies on freighters, dedicated freighters, and 50% flies in bellies. And it's been like that for, uh, for more than a, uh, than a decade, if you go back and look at, at history. But it, it, what we saw happening then, of course, as 50% of capacity fell away, well, 50% of the demand did not, right? And that put, of course, a tremendous strain onto the, um, the, the global freighter networks. And we have, of course, seen, seen the benefits from that by being able to, to redeploy aircraft and, and also to increase utilization on, on aircraft that are in, in our fleet as well as the, the, the global fleet. But we need to, to, uh, to, to recognize as the pandemic continued, right, there were other constraints that happened as well. Um, initially, of course, the supply chain was under pressure. We saw manufacturing be, being shut down due to uh, COVID limitations as well and impact. And, and that gradually ramped up, of course, uh, th throughout the year. And uh, as we turned the, the year on and came into 2021, we, we saw that performance or demand levels were, were actually higher at that time than they were back in, in 2019. So demand recovered much more quickly than capacity provision did. Currently, we are around about 25% short of the 2019 equivalent capacity globally. So that, of course, uh, points at, first of all, the incredible importance of the global freighter fleet and the versatility that it provides. And this is something we have been talking about over the past decade as well. And I personally said it many times that freighters are extremely essential to not only our industry, but the economy. And I think it's really proven itself here now as we're going through the pandemic and it will show itself go, going forward as well. Now, consequently, of course, um, uh, the, the air freight side of the industry is doing really, really well, whilst we, we are obviously struggling as an industry on the passenger side. And hopefully that is gonna correct itself here uh, over time. But the pandemic is gonna be with us for, for, for quite a while still. That, that's generally the expectation. It will have an impact on capacity becoming available for, for the freight market. And if we think about capacity going forward, we know that the, the, the production capacity of production freighters is limited over, over the next several years. It's spoken for and, and consequently will go into to, um, the, the operations where the orders are at the moment. And they are predominantly from a wide body perspective with the integrators um, and, and express operators and less so for, for general cargo. And in, in the meantime, there, there is not necessarily a new inflow of converted aircraft um, where, whereby, of course, the, the, the conversions of narrow body and medium bodies, they're mainly going into, into regional and domestic operations and doesn't affect the, 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 the long haul trade lanes. Um, and the converted wide body aircraft in the 777 300 P2F, which uh, looks to be a very promising uh, asset, particularly for, for, for lower weight shipments. So, express and e commerce again, that will only come to the market in 2023, 2024 timeframe. So we are excited about it, that as an industry, but, but in, in the, the next couple of years, uh, capacity will continue to be constrained 
for, uh, for, for the entire industry. Now, we of course had, had a great 2020, as, as you mentioned as well, it was a, was a record year for the company. We uh, flew a record amount of, of lock hours. We broke through the $3 billion revenue um, uh, threshold as, as you referred to as well. And, and we're extremely excited about that and with record earnings. But again, it was in very close collaboration with, with, with our customers in order to be able to continue to add value and services and high quality that, that they're requiring. And that is really gonna be our focus, Reggie, going, for, going forward as well. So do you attribute the higher revenue to increasing number of block hours, long-term contract with your customers? Is that, is that going to be one of the significant uh, factors by which you would have uh, more revenue coming in? Well, I, th I think the market has recognized, certainly now that value in controlling capacity, the value of longer-term commitments, um, in order to uh, be able to provide uh, supply chain solutions and products to, uh, to to customers, and we talked about the challenges here on the um, uh, on on the air freight side and the air cargo side with capacity particularly, but we shouldn't shouldn't forget that there has been been uh, been quite a dramatic year on the ocean freight side as well, and that continues. Um, supply, the supply chain there is extremely constrained as well, um, not only in regard to capacity but shortage of containers. Uh, we are seeing, of course, the pandemic effects on um, on ports around the world. Uh, now, most recently in in China, where where there has been shutdowns, right? And all of that has, has of course, uh, a combined effect on the uh, the uh, availability of products, not only finished goods but also raw materials and components. And so, I think when we look now at the global supply chain, we very much have to look at at the challenges and opportunities that we have on, on both transportation modes and that they are very much interconnected. And, and I think that's an increased dialogue that we have with our customers regarding uh, services that we need to provide, the importance and value of the capacity that we're providing. And not only for the, the near term, but certainly for the long term, as we talked about, because the, the pandemic effects are going, going to linger for, for, for quite a while. Michael, even if uh, passenger capacity comes back, maybe it takes about another two to three years to come back. Uh, do you think that the, the demand will remain still strong? As we mentioned earlier, the, the importance of air freight and the role that air freight plays um, is, is incredibly essential to the global economy. In normal times, air freight would, would represent 3% of the, the volume, but 35% of the value as we have used. Now, those numbers have changed during the pandemic. So air freight now is, is, has grown in, in importance in both categories, if you like. What has happened during the pandemic here as well is that e-commerce has, of course, become even more important to, to, to us all globally as, as a retail platform than it was in the past. And the majority of e-commerce is flown. So it's, it's air freight. Um, and at, as it's global in nature, then of course, it's going to, to certainly need air cargo and air freight, both in valleys as well as freighters go, going forward. And during the pandemic, I think many of the e-commerce companies, they have had to really re, re, not only revitalize, but certainly build their future supply chain. And, and in order to ensure that they can get products, of course, within the, the promised time windows to customers on, on a global basis. And, and so, so that one certainly is, I think, underscoring the importance of air freight and the opportunities for, for companies in the air freight industry to continue to grow. And, and that's something that we are surely excited about. No, one of the reasons why I asked that question, whether the demand would remain strong is actually the answer that you gave is, is a remote is the ability of the full potential of the e-commerce or e-retail uh, and the opportunity for air freight industry to have the volume coming through e-commerce. Uh, 
How significant is that going to be? Uh, because you also have a partnership with um, customers like Chanyu as well as Amazon. Uh, so how significant is e-commerce for Atlas Air worldwide? It's significant. So if we look at our, our presence, of course, we, we are extremely proud about our diversified position when it comes to our, our customer base, because we are active in, in the express side of the market, which is, of course, a big portion of our business, uh, e-commerce equally and growing as well. We have the direct shippers in our portfolio that, that are leasing our, our aircraft and operations over a long-term basis. We work with all the, the intermediaries, freight forwarders around the world, and, and and of course, directly with airlines. So, so, so we we have a unique position in in the global marketplace, and that again with a diversified portfolio of of, of aircraft, so we can serve our customers in multiple ways, uh, which is how we have built up our our corporate strategy. Now, when it comes to e-commerce, currently there's roughly about an 18% penetration rate on a global basis, meaning that retail goods that is being sold using internet um, and e-commerce platforms as the commercial distribution channel. During the pandemic, we saw certain countries here grow tremendously. So you, you could see growth consolidate, five years of growth consolidated in one year, right? Some of that will likely bounce back and go back to brick and mortar in, in certain places. But, but the upside here and the change, the profound change that e-commerce is driving to the air freight industry, both in regard to services needed and markets served, is, um, is incredible. And, and there, I think the air freight industry as such will see, see growth going forward. Um, you have seen this in the express segments of so the, the, uh, the, the integrators, they have grown their position and the importance of their services. You have seen uh, some, some of the um, companies you mentioned here, like both Amazon and, and Alibaba through China, of course, putting their own infrastructure in, in play. And, and we are extremely proud and grateful, of course, of having been chosen by both of them to play an essential role there as they, they expand their networks. If you look at, at, at the growth here, I, I think you, know, you look at some data points um, in um, take India and China as two examples. In, in China, of course, the e-commerce penetration rate is significantly higher than anywhere else in the world. So you're going well, well above the 20%, but at the same time, only about 900 million people in China have access to, uh, to internet, right? So if you think about the population of uh, one and a half billion, uh, there's a significant upside there, of course, of, of reaching even more potential consumers going forward. In India, it's, it's the penetration rate is even less, as you know, Reggie, and, and that is, of course, a, a nation that, that certainly uh, has a tremendous potential going forward and where the, the mo mobile internet is only available to around 700 million people. So use those two examples and then look at countries around the world that is turning to the internet as their, their main uh, shopping platform, I, th I think that will provide tremendous opportunities for the air freight industry going forward. And, and we are very excited about that. Since we are talking about e-commerce and uh, for e-commerce to kind of uh, really become really big, I think digitalization is an important element. Uh, tell us about the digitalization process in the air freight industry and how is this a big opportunity for the industry to increase revenue and reduce cost? Uh, bring in transparency and visibility in the entire supply chain? Well, I, I think that's a great question, Reggie. And, and, uh, and first of all, I talked earlier about how well the, the um, air freight industry has collaborated here throughout the pandemic. But we have also be, been struggling as an industry for a while in becoming digitized through, throughout our processes. We need to recognize that, of course, our industry is, is quite fragmented. Uh, we have a lot of stakeholders, not only the, the operators, but intermediaries and supply chain providers, including obviously the shippers themselves and 
and the various government regulators, etc. So it's it's um, an undertaking that that is extremely important, but it's not easy. I had the pleasure of, of serving on the uh, IATA Cargo Advisory Council uh, to, together with other le leading uh, uh, airlines around the world, and uh, digitization of the entire air cargo supply chain is one of the top three initiatives that we're driving. So it's it's extremely important. But we also need to recognize that, that we, we have to see where we are now as an industry. And now is the time to, to take action to the extent that we haven't done it in the past. Now it's the time to move forward, uh, to capitalize on the opportunity here, because as we digitize, we're gonna become more effective. We're gonna provide our customers with, with a better product and product at the end of the day. Uh, visibility is gonna be critical. Uh, so the delight that the customers will experience is great that will provide companies like ours and others in the industry an opportunity to continue to grow. So, so digitization throughout the air cargo supply chain is, is critical. But as always, it takes teamwork, right? And we, we have to, uh, to take action there and, and uh, do less talking and, uh, and more actions. Michael, I think this is one subject that you talked also at last year, one of the one of the virtual conferences that we have. Uh, one of the pandemic trends that continues to impact air cargo companies like Atlas is the cost of capital, and you need a huge amount of capital to invest in your fleet expansion, revision, maintenance, and for your dry leasing company. How serious is the concern of this air worldwide right now? You're absolutely right, Reggie. Uh, the airline industry is a very capital-intensive business, right? And, and building and maintaining a very strong cash position and a strong balance sheet is, is vital for, for the long term. And, and that's how we build our strategy. And when we invest in new assets, we, we take a 30-plus year approach in doing that, regardless if they are for operating purposes or, or investment dry leasing purposes. And, and for that, you need to have a really strong, strong cash positions. Um, we have taken actions, of course, to make sure that we can manage the impact of the pandemic. So from a cost perspective, to, uh, to ensure that we can uh, continue to operate, continue to, to prosper as a company and manage all these unforeseen risks that are coming at us as well. But the good news there is that we are in, in a really good position to, to, to manage those risks, uh, but more importantly, also to capitalize on, on opportunities. Uh, so strengthening and enhancing our liquidity position and strategically allocating uh, that capital is, is critical. From a Titan perspective, we are very excited uh, about our joint venture together with Bain Capital Credit that we uh, we launched last, last year. And, and that's a, um, an investment in the freighter industry as well. So the strategy is freighter focused and uh, we're looking there at expanding the, uh, the, the portfolio of aircraft that we can offer to customers on a dry leasing basis for multiple aircraft types, uh, both converted aircraft as well as production freighters going forward over, over the next several years. And uh, so far we have seen, seen really good success already. We have added three aircraft into that portfolio in a very short period of time in, in a 777 production freighters. And we, we announced uh, an agreement earlier this year with Iceland Air for, for a couple of 767s. And, and the outlook and the pipeline for, for opportunities there uh, is looking really, really good as well. So we remain positive on the, on the outlook, but, but this is an area that we will continue to work on to uh, make sure that we keep uh, a very strong balance sheet and uh, have liquidity both to, uh, to play offense and defense. Michael, do you expect to get uh, the new 747-8 uh, production freighters uh, delivered as per the schedule uh, starting from May through October 2022? 
or are you trying to get it earlier? Well, first, first of all, we're delighted to uh, to be able to to get the the very last four 747 dash eights that that are going to be uh, produced and delivered to to the industry. And as I'm I'm looking here at, uh, at at the screen, I see the aircraft proudly behind me. So we we can't wait to get those on board, and we we are expecting them uh, between the May and October timeframe as we. Uh, we have announced earlier, and we are, of course, working together with, with Boeing to ensure that those aircraft comes into service in the industry as quickly as possible along that, that timeline, of course. We already see very, very strong demand for the aircraft, and um, so we couldn't be more excited to uh, to get them on board. Uh, I think it's important to mention here as well the, 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 the role that the 747 plays. And, and we talked about our large fleet going forward, but this aircraft, the production freighter, which has the nose loading capabilities as well, our 747 fleet, the, these aircraft, they're going to stay with, with us in the industry here for, for the next 30 years, right? Uh, plus, and, and, and many of the aircraft that we have at the moment have another couple of decades in them as well to continue to serve the industry. So even though these are the very last 747s, unfortunately, uh, coming off the production line, the fleet itself is going to play a very important role for the industry going forward, as it is the only nose loading capable aircraft, uh, uh, at least in, for for commercial use outside of the, the oversized aircraft uh, that were Russian manufactured, of course. Now, from the conversation with you, I understand that there is the access to production freighters is very constrained at the moment. Even I think to converted freighters is very constrained. Uh, and I'm sure that you're reaching to have a, a lot more of freighter capacity in your company. Let's talk about what is available. 747-8 has come to a production as um, that's the last four you would take it. And then after that, you do not have as a 747 uh, production freighters. There is options being talked about, uh, 777X freighter version. Uh, also talk about from Airbus on uh, A350, uh, the, the production freighter version. How do you look at some of these production freighters as well as the conversion of 777-300 freighter? Well, first of all, these are really important discussions because it's going to outline how the, the global industry is going to be served in the future, uh, what what's the uh, different aircraft types are going to be. And having that active dialogue, which we have certainly as a company and, and many of our, our colleagues around the industry has as well, both with, with Boeing and Airbus, um, uh, is very important. Uh, I think it's important that both OEMs, they, they um, have a production freighter program. Uh, and maybe a differentiated program as well of di different sizes of aircraft, because we need that. Um, there is not a one size fits all. And I welcome that, um, that, that service offering and competition in the industry as well, because we, we, we certainly need it. The, the 777-200 um, production freighter, which we have um, uh, several in our fleet, supporting aircraft in our fleet and our portfolio, uh, it, it's an extremely capable aircraft as well. So that alongside with the 747-8 and, and the 747-400, production freighter is delivering incredible value. And, and depending on what your network is and how you're gonna operate the aircraft, there can be advantages to, uh, to either the 747 or the, the 777. But the 777-200 is uh, the manufacturing for that aircraft will stop in 2027 due to emissions regulations. Uh, it doesn't mean that the aircraft can continue to fly because that it certainly can uh, for, for, uh, for more than 30 years. Um, but, but by that time, we need to have new, uh, new options in the marketplace. So you mentioned the two that are being most spoken about, and that's the, the 777X freighter. Uh, and it's going to be uh, interesting, to, interesting to see how that, uh, that program develops and, and the timelines, of course, as well. And equally with, with the, the 350 uh, production freighter. And um, uh, we're now beginning to see um, the, uh, the expected performance levels of that. And I think both aircraft look, look quite interesting. And, and depending on who you are as an operator and your, your, 
the envelope that you operate the network that you fly, et cetera, the type of cargo that you have on board, those are going to be factors that drives, of course, which of the, uh, the aircraft platforms that, uh, that uh, one would choose. And then, as you said, uh, Reggie, as well, the, the converted aircraft, I think that's going to be a great supplement. There is a, a large fleet stock of 777-300ERs uh, in the marketplace. We are seeing now some, some of the passenger airlines reducing their uh, long-haul fleet, of course, and perhaps going away from the older 777-300s and choosing other aircraft like the 787 or, or A350 as, as an example. And that will prov provide very important feedstock, of course, for the, the conversion industry going forward. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how the, the program develops here. The 300 P2F is coming to the market in 2023 and, and 2024, because I think that the aircraft will serve, serve an important role. And outside of that, we, we as always, we, uh, we, we invite the OEMs, of course, and we will share our views as far as what kind of products that we need going forward. And, and obviously with focus on sustainability the, um, and, and focus on, on uh, alternative fuels as well for, for the industry is something that's critical. We are fully committed as a company to that and investing heavily both in regard to, uh, to testing uh, sustainable aviation fuels, um, doing everything that we can on the ground to, um, to reduce our carbon footprint. And that's a commitment that we have go going forward and something that we will stick to. And I think there again, as an industry, we have to, to work together to make sure that we can stay very relevant as an industry. And, and there's a lot of work being done already. And I think the carbon, carbon footprint from air freight actually isn't that big if you compare it to other transportation modes like ocean or ground for that matter. Michael, my last question is, uh, would you have any concern uh, whether the OEMs and the conversion companies would uh, meet the demand requirements uh, for production freighters as well as uh, conversion converted freighters? I don't have any concerns. I, I, I think that there is a lot of activity going on, a lot, lot of investment as well. I think the world is seeing now the importance of, of freighters for, for the economy, and, and which is fantastic to see. Uh, there's a lot of investments in new conversion lines being set up for different aircraft types, uh, a lot of projects starting up, a new investment coming in, new capital coming in to, to the freighter side of the industry. And I, I think all of that combined will, will of course, be, uh, be very beneficial for the future. Now, now short term, uh, there are going to be some, some challenges, as we mentioned. The global supply chain is, uh, it is, is disrupted across the board. We have uh, very low inventories in all industry sectors. Uh, there is a shortage of components, right? And that is, of course, affecting aircraft manufacturing as well. So lead times to get these new aircraft into the market could be affected thereby. So, so I think that there are some challenges that, that the OEMs and the industry as such has to manage through. through. And some risks here in, in the immediate term, right? But, but over long term, I, I think that uh, the, the air freight industry and aviation as such has, uh, has a bright future. Michael, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your thoughts, reflections about Atlas Air Worldwide and the air cargo industry in general. I'd like to wish you the very best and uh, hope we meet soon. Reggie, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. And um, I too hope we meet very soon and that time in person, as we have said, said a few times. Um, lastly, I'd just like to thank for the opportunity to, uh, to share our thoughts and views, of course. Uh, we as a company, we are uh, completely committed to continue to serve our customers and, and deliver added value solutions across the board to continue to invest to the best of our, our ability, um, as we strongly believe that air freight will, uh, will serve a very important role going forward. And, and again, as we started saying here, it comes down to people, right? So I really would like to, to again, thank our 4,100 people strong team for all the efforts they do, all the efforts, um, all our vendors to our customers, et cetera. And, and let's continue to stay close together. And, and last but not least, Reggie, thank you, thank you for everything that you do and your staff as well 
uh, reporting on all the successes and the importance of air freight is is paramount right um, and that will only help the world and the global economy to work well together in the future as well so thanks for the opportunity thanks michael once again that was michael steen executive vice president and chief commercial officer of atlas air worldwide here is a special recommendation from me to everyone who is watching this video the covid pandemic has taken lives and livelihood of millions of people around the world and the whole world has come together to bring much needed support and supplies to everyone affected. Flexport, founded by Ryan Peterson, is a global freight forwarder and logistic platform using modern software to fix the user experience in global trade. In 2020, Flexport delivered 425 million units of personal protective equipment and other relief items to frontline healthcare workers on five continents. Ryan Peterson, the cool founder of Flexport is also an interesting writer and a lot of what he does are driven by empathy, care, concern and generosity. Ryan has written a children's book called The Big Ship and the Little Digger. Perhaps you must have guessed it right what the book is all about. The story of the book follows the Egyptian digger who managed to set free the ever given ship from the Suez Canal using only the little digger. The book, beautifully illustrated by Flexport's in-house illustrator, Yanni Davros, aims to teach kids about the global logistic of container shipping while introducing the little digger, who inspired millions with its enthusiastic and very helpful response. Children everywhere will learn about the power of doing the right thing, even when it seems like half the world is laughing at you. The Big Ship and the Little Digger is a story about the power of naive optimism to move impossibly large obstacles that get in your way. I highly recommend that you order this book online. I have done it and looking forward to getting my copy in August and reading it along with my daughter and son. The cost of the book is 25 US dollars, including postage. And this is important. All proceeds from your purchase will go toward Flexport's humanitarian logistic programs for COVID-19 relief in India. India needs our help right now. Please step up with us, writes Ryan. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.